So guys, last week, um, wow, amen? If you are here last week, um, felt the need, really felt the impression of the Holy Spirit to, to take a pause from Luke and to talk about spiritual warfare and all the things that have been going on in our church family as a result of it, right? Really, really felt like it was important to, to pause and, and to do that, and, um, and we believe these things are happening because of our faith, because we've chosen faithfully um, follow God. We heard more, more things this morning uh, about how the enemy is, is attacking uh, constantly, and, and so we, we talked about how the, the enemy is not happy, uh, that we have declared our belief in God, that he's calling us to cross over and, and to build uh, over by the high school, and, and man, he has stepped up his game. And we've got marriages under attack, we've got jobs and finances under attack, we've got health under attack, uh, and uh, I want to be honest, Satan's really not going to be happy today. And, uh, and so I, I, I've been, so you know, I've not just been sick all week, but been bad, this spiritual battle in me has been, it's been insane. And, uh, and a big part of it was what we're going to do with this offering. And, uh, and I, I think today's the day. I think today's the day. I think we're going to count it today. I think we're going to come back. So I'm going to invite you guys back at, at the end of the 11 o'clock service. You want to just, just pop in. I don't care. Just walk through the back. Don't come through this door. Come through those doors. Walk on in about noon. We're going to celebrate what the Lord has done because he is Jehovah Jireh. He's provider. And so today, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to take up this offering and believe in faith that God is going to provide like he always has. He's always shown up on these days. And, uh, and it makes no sense to man. That, that the goal that is set, $50,000 in, in a month, that shouldn't work uh, in our church. I'm going to tell you financially, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. But uh, <laughs> with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so uh, I, I just I feel in my spirit, I, I just need to believe that. And we're going to step into it. So I want, I want to invite you to come back. Uh, and just walk in the doors and, and back doors at noon and celebrate with us all that the Lord has done. And uh, it's going to be good. And, and so it, later on at the end of this service, we're going to ask you to, to, to pick your section of the wall for your family and, and go ahead. And we're gonna, you're going to start laying bricks today. Today, probably your first brick. Maybe you've already started giving uh, monthly. And, and again, you can do that online. Uh, now you can, you can set it in your budget. So we're giving X amount uh, a month or whatever. But uh, I, I just today, today's the day. And so we're going to do that. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the enemy's not happy. He's not happy leading up to today. In fact, he, he's, he's already started invoking some of the spiritual warfare we're going to talk about today because this is, this is a new kind. And so uh, this is what I want to do. Um, we're going to pray. Um, we're going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to get into the Word of God together. And so let's do the, can, can we show that image from last week of, of how we pray? Um, I want you to do this. Stand up with me. Stand up. Find somebody that you can link arms with. Find somebody. Link some shields together real quick this morning. My wife's up here all by herself. Somebody's got to pray with her. Listen, she just gave me a look. <clears throat> all right. All right. Yeah, let's link up with somebody. Let's, let's pray together uh, as we stand and fight. <clears throat> Lord God, you are good. And today we just declare it. And we declare our belief in you. And we also declare... Not just that you're going to provide um, for, for, for this offering, but we declare today that you're going to provide for this attack. That you're going to provide the strength that we need 
to make our knees sturdy. That you're going to provide the traction that we need with these feet that are fitted with this gospel of peace to dig in those hobnails and to stand firm because the enemy's about to get tired. And boy, is he going to get it. Help us stand firm. Help us be united. Help us withstand this initial attack. And the moment that the enemy begins to weaken, may we be prepared and ready with our swords to kick his butt. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Lindy Peterson's not in the early service, or she'd be reminding me I just prayed kick his butt. Uh, Y'all can tell her when she gets here for Sunday school. I say that she keeps a running tab of all the things I've said in church since I've been here seven years, so uh, it's a good list. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, I'm going to read through 18. The Apostle Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Uh, if you've got your sermon notes, you'll find in there just a little bit of recap. I gave you the first two points. They're kind of, they kind of direct all the pieces of armor. And, and that first point, I even filled them out for you. That first point is simply just, guys, this reminder, we are at war. And, and this war is a hand-to-hand combat with the devil and all of his dark forces. Okay, and it, it says our struggle, and that word struggle, it means wrestling match. And I told you, in the Greek, it, it meant that you had to throw your opponent to the ground. And the only way the match ended was when you put your, your hand upon his throat. <clears throat> put your hand upon his throat and either choked him out or they tapped and submitted. And uh, that's a hand-to-hand combat we find ourselves in with the devil. Second, we said our job in this, in this struggle is to stand our ground together and to fight. We talked about the fact we've been trained so well to run from temptation, to flee from sin, that sometimes we forget that we're supposed to stand against the devil. And, and, uh, and our job is to stand, and he is the one that is supposed to flee. And, uh, and so then we talked about how to do that, how to put on this armor. And, and we talked about the, the first piece, this belt of truth. And, and, and literally, it's about, about girding up our loins with our, our cloak. And we said uh, it's about cinching up every area of our lives, especially the private places, like our marriages, our finances. Cinching all those things up together with Jesus, who is the truth. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that it's about guarding our hearts by daily focusing on what the gospel has done for us 
and what it demands of us. We've been declared righteous because of our faith in Jesus, but then it also calls us to go and be right, to do right unto others. And so that's a big deal. And then, and then lastly, we talked about putting on our sandals, the gospel of peace, advancing the gospel of peace, because it is the only thing that possesses the power and the force to set the captives free. We talked about those hobnails and the sandals. That leads up to the last three pieces of armor. And, and here's the first, guys. It's found in verse 16. Uh, it says this. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. So again, here, here's the deal. We're in hand-to-hand combat, uh, but the imagery is that we don't just have to worry about the enemy that's right in front of us. We also have to keep one eye on the sky. Okay? Because our enemy is so dirty, he is so deplorable, that he also takes aim at us from a distance while we're fighting something right in front of us. Okay? I don't know if you've ever watched war movies from this kind of period of, of Rome, uh, but typically, I mean, while they're pretty graphic and gruesome, typically they, they, they are somewhat civilized in order. Um, in that when they go into battle, you know, first it's the archers and it's the aerial attack, you know, and if you can withstand that. And then, and then in comes the, the, uh, the cavalry on horses and, and they, they, they do some damage. And then come the guys on, on, on foot, the infantry, right? But every once in a while, if you watch a really good war movie from this period, you find a really evil king that decides after he sends in his infantry, the men on the ground, and they're fighting hand-to-hand combat, he has his archers take aim anyway. Knowing he's going to take out some of his soldiers, but, but what he's doing is he's counting on the fact that all the other people will be fighting and they won't have an eye on the sky. And that those arrows will, will land and they will strike and they'll kill the enemy. And he doesn't care about his own people. He just wants to kill the enemy. That's the picture of how deplorable Satan is, friends. We're, we're in the middle. Some of us in this very room, we're fighting for our marriages right now. Right, right now, this very moment, we are fighting for our children's future right now. And, and in the midst of it, Satan is taking pop shots. That's what he's doing. And, and they're not just arrows, by the way. They're flaming arrows. That's not awesome. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. What happens... Uh, if, if you're in battle, hand-to-hand combat, and you don't have a shield, flaming arrow comes your way. One, it's going to stick you, okay? But two, it's going to light you on fire. That's not good. Now, what happens if, if you're in battle and you do have a shield, but you haven't prepared that shield for battle? You're just carrying it around. You know what's going to happen there? Maybe that arrow lands in your shield, but it's full of pitch and tar, and it's on fire. It's going to light your shield on fire, and you're going to have to drop your shield, and you're going to be what? Defenseless, aren't you? Right? And then comes the attack. And, 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 and that's kind of the, the picture we get here. But get this, with the shield of faith, it says these flaming arrows of the enemy don't have to phase us. So let's talk about what it is. Uh, and, and we'll start with faith. Hebrews 11 tells us what faith is. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what faith is. Now, what about the shield? What does that have to do with Genesis 15? One says this. It says, uh, God speaking to Abraham says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. So, so wait, faith is, is having confidence in what we cannot see. We can't see God. Okay, but it's believing in God. And God is the shield. Get that. It, it, it says in other places in Scripture, Psalm 512. Uh, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my very stronghold. Uh, 
Proverbs 35. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And so the imagery literally is that the shield of faith is faith. It's, it's confidence. It's assurance in God who is unseen. Specifically assurance in him as protector. As protector. It, 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 it's this confidence in, in, in an unseen, invisible, we know that's part of God's nature, he's invisible, but it's confidence in, 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 in this invisible God to protect us. Now, what makes this shield different from any other shield? Well, remember Paul, when he writes this, he's, he's got the imagery of, of, of the Roman troops and their armor and mine, and so the Roman shield was kind of unique. Uh, it was basically a small door. It was about four feet tall, it was about two feet wide, um, and, uh, and what really set it apart uh, wasn't just its size and, and how they used it, you know, how they linked together and how they covered one another. All those things were very unique. But what, really what set it apart was how they would prepare the shield for battle. You see, the Roman army always knew what they were going to face. They knew the enemy was going to come at them with their very best. And so often before they went into battle, they would take their shields and they would cover them with leather that had been soaked in water with leather that had been soaked in water, and they would cover them. And so when they went into battle, and the enemy, the enemy shot those, those arrows that were covered with, with tar and pitch and were lit on fire, when those arrows sunk into their shields, they would go into this deep, thick, wet leather, and the leather would extinguish the flaming arrows. You got it? And, and, and so our, our shield, literally our, our faith in God, that, that's what it is, right? Um, let's talk about how we get it real quick. Well, Ephesians 2.8 says this, says that we get our faith from God. Do you know that? Our faith is actually a gift from God. We can't believe on our own or by ourselves. God gives us the ability to do that. It's a gift from God, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So God actually gives us the ability to believe in him. And, and, and this is how we, he gives us that ability. Ready? Uh, he, uh, Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, this faith uh, that's given from God, it comes from hearing the message, okay? And the message is heard through what? The word about Christ. So we get faith, like our, our faith is, is, is connected to, to the Word. Our, our faith is always supposed to be linked to, to the Word. And it's interesting when you study the Word in Scripture that there's a symbol constantly used to describe the Scriptures, or describe the Word of God. And do you know what that symbol is, friends? Water. Water. Jesus speaks to a woman, he's talking about, the life that he has to offer. He says, but I, I will give you living water, right? If you, if you believe in me, living water will spring up. Revelation talks about the river of life that, that flows from the throne. Ezekiel in uh, Hebrews talks about being cleansed by pure water. Ephesians 5 says, husbands, it's your job to wash your wife in the water of the word. Again, the imagery is the shield of faith. It's our faith in God. But it's our faith in God soaked in the truth of God's word. Soaked in the truth of scripture. Okay? When we do that, when we do this, when, when, when we soak ourselves in scripture, we allow it to, to, to cover our faith. It changes everything. It changes everything. When we believe the Bible to be true, it changes everything. When we're in the word and we trust the word, it changes everything. And so I'm going to give you this. Here's our, our third point. Uh, first one this morning. We must be sure and steadfast in our belief in God and his unchanging nature. 
that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. That's why scripture is so important. The Bible is a story of God revealing himself to man, revealing himself like, hey, guys, I'm God. Hey, guys, I'm provider. Hey, guys, I'm your shield. Hey, guys, I'm your protector. Hey, guys, I've got you. Hey, guys, you're never alone. I will be with you. I will not forsake you. You are my people. I am your God. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Old Testament to new. That's what Jesus says, I am. Seven times, I am, I am here, I am with you, you're not alone, I am, I am. It's this reminder, it's what scripture does, friends. When we stay covered in the word of God, our faith is protected from from those pop shots that the enemy will try to take, and I promise you, he's taken them, I promise you, he's taken them, Okay. Flaming arrows come, but they're extinguished because we're reading our Bible. We know who God is, and we know what he can do. All right, second piece of armor. Second piece of armor, 617. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, Helmet of salvation. So salvation is clearly important here, uh, but it kind of brings up a question. Is salvation really something, remember, we're supposed to put on the full armor. Is salvation something we can put on? And if it's something that we can put on, does that mean that we can take it off? These are questions you should ask when you read, right? These are questions that pop up in your mind. What's interesting, if we look at the text here, uh, immediately in verse 17, let's start with the word take up. It says take up the helmet of salvation. That phrase take up, it can mean take up, but you know what? Usually in the Greek, it doesn't mean take up. Usually it means receive. The majority of the time in the Greek, you find this word, it actually means receive. So, So literally receive salvation, right? Receive it. And then you're supposed to put it on, right? So, so, so I think we need to start here with this truth. Salvation must be received. Salvation must be received. We find that in John 1, right? John 1, 11 and 12. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all that did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Salvation must be received. Now, if that's the case, that salvation must be received, what then are we supposed to be doing? When he says, put on this helmet. How do we do that? Well, I I believe Paul speaks about this in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Some people have misinterpreted this verse, but if you, if you go again to the original language, that, that phrase, work out, it doesn't mean that it's a work that you have to do in order to get salvation. Uh, rather, what the text means, the phrase work out, literally means perform. It means to perform. Like, you have been saved, now perform as if you're saved. Work it. Do it. Live it out. Live it out. Live out your salvation. And it's interesting to me where this is applied. Where is this, this salvation, living out our salvation, where is it supposed to be applied? Where do you put it on? on? What is it? It's a helmet. It goes on your what? Your head. What's inside of this? Right, your brains, your mind, right? So, so, so literally, living out my salvation, living out my salvation does something to my mind. Let me ask you a question. Ever question your salvation, anyone here? Ever been there, done that? Come on, Jeff, you were raised Lutheran at some point, right? I mean, I mean it, it happens. We, we've been there, right? We've, we've questioned our salvation. Some, some of us have done that. Why? Why, 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 do, why do we people, do, why do we ever think, maybe I'm not saved, why does that happen, Ready? Typically, it happens because we are not living out our faith. 
Typically, uh, when we begin to question our salvation, it's, it's because we have fallen into sin or, or we're failing to see the fruit uh, uh, that God promises uh, in his word in our lives. And sometimes Satan even points it out to us. He's like, wait a second, I thought Jesus said you were going to have abundant fruit. And, and like he points scripture out to us. And we're like, oh, I don't have any fruit. Maybe I'm not really saved. Right? He, he, he attacks our mind. So where is the salvation to be applied? It's, it's to cover your mind. Right? And, and so the Bible says there is a way that we can prevent these attacks. Ready? There's a way to prevent these attacks. James says it. He says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Do what it says. When we work out our salvation, okay, when we practice it, when, when we do uh, what, our, what our faith is, when we live it out, okay, we guard our minds. We guard the attack of the enemy in our minds because we are putting into practice what, what we're doing. So, so it's like putting on a helmet and, and, and it's making our minds impenetrable to those thoughts of the enemy. So this is, this is the fourth thing I want you to write down. Ready? We must guard our minds by actually putting the word of God into practice in our lives. So that we can be fruitful and live with assurance. Wow. Isn't that crazy when you just sit down and you look at it? And you, we've, how many of you have read this passage like at least, at least 10, 15 times? You've read through the armor. Ever thought of it that way? Wow. If I put it into practice, I start guarding my mind from the attacks of the enemy. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. That's, if, I, if I work, if I practice my salvation, this helmet's important. Last piece. Hmm. <clears throat> Sword of the Spirit, 617. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Which is the Word of God. The Roman sword was, uh, was unique in its day. It, it, it was extremely special. The Roman sword was a, was a short sword. It was meant for hand-to-hand combat. What, what made it special is, is it, was, uh, it was double-sided. It, 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 was, it was a double-edged sword. It was designed for up-close, hand-to-hand combat. And guys, in the hand of a trained Roman soldier, it was one of the most lethal objects of its day. It was an instrument of death and destruction. And it's interesting because the Bible actually says that that's what, what the Bible is supposed to be for us. Anybody else think that's weird? That the Bible is supposed to be an instrument of death and destruction? You guys are looking at me going, wait a second, Pastor. I, I thought this was supposed to be an instrument of life. You mean, what do you mean it's an instrument of death and destruction? I, I, I don't get it. I thought it was supposed to be of life and of freedom. Um, well, I'm going to say to you this morning, it's both. It is a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. Think about it with me. The Bible teaches us who God is, okay? Teaches us what he can do. The Bible teaches us who we are and what we can do, which is nothing, by the way, without him, okay? Teaches us that we have a very real enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that he wants to ruin us. It, it, it talks to us about the dangers of sin, uh, that sin is not something that's supposed to be toyed with, that it's something that easily entangles, and ultimately it's something that leads to 
death and complete separation from God. It talks to us about, about a kind of life that we were made for way, way back in the beginning, a life where, where we're, we're actually with God, that we have God, that we're full of God. It talks to us about that kind of life and the fact that we lost it because of sin. And, and then it talks to us about how Jesus provides a way for us to experience that kind of life by being reconciled to God through faith in him and his atoning death for us on the cross. See, the Bible is a story about life, and death. It's a story about both. And so our sword is key to this. It helps us experience the life that we are meant to live, get this, by helping us cut free from all the sin that entangles us and enslaves us. But then it also calls us not just to be free, but ultimately to have true freedom, we've got to kill some things too. It's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. The imagery, guys, is of this. Grab your Bibles with me. Just go ahead and grab them. Just hold it. If you don't have one, there's one in the pew in front of you. It's on your, if it's on your phone or your tablet, just, you can just hold up your tablet. This is my sword. There you go. Right there. See? There you go. There's a sword. I like it. I like it. Man, the enemy's in trouble. He's going to try some cyber attack on you, and you're good to go. You got it ready. The imagery, guys, of the Word of God is this. This is our sword. And, and this allows us, ready, to cut through the lies and the accusations of the enemy that often keep us silent and still. Okay? So, so this frees us up. But not only does it free us up, this is the very power to kill the things that often try to entangle us and hold us captive. This is right here. This is right here. So this is what I want you to write down. This is our, our last point today. It's, it's kind of a big deal. We must daily use this then, the Bible. We must daily use the truth of God's Word to cut through the lies, temptations, and sins that entangle and entrap us so that we can put to death the sin in our lives and experience the freedom and the fullness that Jesus offers. That is a mouthful, but that is the absolute truth of this matter. Okay? We've got to use the truth of God's word to cut through the lies, temptations, and sin that entangle and entrap us so that we can put to death the sin in our lives and experience the freedom and the fullness that Jesus offers. Romans 8, um, 12 through 13 says this. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death... The misdeeds of the body, you will live. Uh, great preacher John Owen um, wrote a whole book on this topic. Uh, it's called Mortification of Sin. And he has a quote that is just so good. Uh, he, he just said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. It's legitimate. Don't get caught without this, friends. Don't get caught with that. Those other things will help you play defense. But there is no other tool in the arsenal that helps you cut free. And there is no other tool in the arsenal that can kill sin. No other tool. This is it. You got it? This is the weapon. It's a big deal. Now, what do we do because of that? You're going to hear a whole lot about this. I'm just going to warn you. Ready? One, you read it. Read the Bible. People have spent... 
hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to figure out what the number one thing is that helps people grow in Christ? Is it small groups? Is it going to two worship services? Is it being in church multiple times a week? Is it having some special discipleship plan? Ready? Number one thing that creates growth in the people of God. Daily reading their Bible. Number one. Number one. We can save a whole bunch of money, friends, if we'll just start reading our Bibles. Gosh, I'm telling you, there's a whole Christian world out there telling you you need to do A, B, C, and D. That's because we're all Pharisees at heart. One thing is needed, Jesus says. Just one thing is needed, Martha. Just one thing. Dear Marthas, I love you. Read your Bible, okay? If you're too busy for this, you're too busy. All right? So read your Bible. Two, trust it. Trust it. You got to nail this down now. Uh, there, there, there are people of faith that are struggling with this. Uh, if you don't nail down the fact that this is all truth, it, it's going to be a struggle for you. It's going to be a struggle for you. You've got to trust it, right? You've got to trust it. You've got to trust it. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. The shield of faith, it, it's believing that God is who He says He is, even, even when we can't see His hand. It's believing, okay? Three, you've got to try it. <laughs> you've got to try it. You don't really trust it if you don't try it. I can say that I trust this old pew up here, but if I don't sit my butt in it, it doesn't count, right? I mean, it's been repaired a few times. If I don't actually put my weight upon it, I don't really trust it. Uh, You've got to try it. You've got to try it. You've got to put it into practice. That's what it means to put on the helmet, right? It's to actually do what the Bible says. You've got an issue in your life? What do I do? What do I do? Why don't you do what this says? Try it. Try it out and see that God is good. See that God has an answer. See that God is relevant, okay? Try it. Put it into practice. Protect yourself from the attacks of the enemy, okay? Four, you're going to like this one. Attack and kill your sin. Mortify it. Since we've been crucified with Christ, we're told to put to death the sins of the flesh. To crucify them, to kill them, okay? Listen, sin is not something that's supposed to be toyed with, and it's not something that can be tamed. I know a lot of Christians that think that they can manage their sin. I, I read a book with my kids called Kingdom Tales a while back, and it was about this gentle ruler that took in all these orphans, and, and he had this great place for them to, uh, to go. And there's this one little uh, girl orphan, but, but the gentle ruler had some rules, and one of those rules is that they could never play with dragons or dragon eggs. And this girl found this egg, and it was so beautiful, it was so pretty, and so she took it home, and before she knew it, it hatched. And it was a baby dragon. It was the cutest little dragon on the face of the planet. So she didn't tell anybody about it. She hid it in the forest all by herself, and she'd go out daily. She would take care of her dragon. She'd feed it, but that dragon got bigger and bigger and bigger until the first day that dragon began to breathe fire. And it almost killed her. She was almost completely destroyed. Ultimately, gentle ruler came and slayed the dragon, right? And friends, sin is a dragon. And I know it looks cute and cuddly. You know, that's how it begins. But it will grow up and it will consume you. It'll eat you up. And, 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 and you can't, I know we, we have management plans for our sin all the time. Well, I, I'll do this, and I'll do that, and I'll do this. I mean, I mean, as Christians, we almost teach that kind of stuff. Listen, here's your management plan. Take your sword, call sin, sin, and cut it out of your life. That's it. That is the only management plan for sin. Put it to death. Put it to death, okay? All right. Attack and kill your sin, number five. Keep praying and covering one another. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Not just for yourself. Guys, this is, we're all in this together. 
Um, this week, we, we've got more attacks. How much time do I have? Uh, I, I'm going to say this. Some of you this week, I, I want to talk about the flaming arrows just very, very briefly. I, I want to give you a couple areas that Satan aims for while you're in the midst of your hand-to-hand combat. A couple areas that he aims for on a regular basis. One, I would say, is worry. Jesus talks about this, and here's the lie of the enemy. Somehow we're in charge, and we're in control, and it's all on us. It's our responsibility, right? And so we begin to worry about whether we're going to provide enough for our family, whether we're going to do this, whether we're going to do that, and we start to worry. And you know what worry does? (coughs) In the midst of our our big, um, you know, huge fight, it's just one of those things that consumes us, and it keeps us away from the battle that's really being waged. It really does. And so one of the areas that he aims his flaming arrows is worry. And you'll be in the midst of fighting for your marriage, and all of a sudden worry will come upon you about finances. You'll be in the midst of fighting for, for, for somebody else, maybe for a brother or a Christian. You'll, you'll begin to worry about, about whether or not you're enough or whether about it, it, anything can change. or whether about, And so, uh, so worry is, is a big area. One of the other areas uh, that, that I think he aims his arrows often, uh, I'm going to call doubt. Doubt. And, uh, and, and it's amazing how this happens. Um, for some of you, that happened this week. Um, doubt began to creep in, uh, in in some area of your life. And, and here you were, you were fighting hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. You're, you're fighting for, about provision. You're fighting about uh, marriages. You're fighting, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're here with us and you're, you're fighting this battle with us. And, and in the midst of this, this hand-to-hand, all of a sudden doubt crept in. Like, I don't know if we can do this. I, I, I don't know if the Lord's going to provide. I don't know if this. I don't know if that, right? And, and, and why is that? Well, doubt is wavering. Um, when, when Jesus walks out on the water to, to the disciples and Peter hops out of the boat, uh, and, and, and he begins to walk on water. Eventually, he sinks, right? When Jesus pulls him back up, he actually says to him, Peter, why did you doubt? And the word doubt means wavering. It means going back and forth uh, from in between belief. And some of us, that's what happened to us this week. Man, we, we, were, we were fighting well, and then all of a sudden, we, we started to doubt whether or not we're going to win this war. Well, maybe my marriage isn't going to make it. Maybe that job is not going to happen. Maybe, I'm, maybe my kids are never going to change. Maybe. Right? Ooh, do you know what happened? You didn't even see the arrow. You didn't see you you were you were engaged. You didn't even see it coming. And here it came. Worry or doubt just got you out of nowhere, didn't it? I think that's why it's important that we fight together. Can I get that imagery one more time? <laughs> I like those guys in the back. I, I'm gonna believe that guy in the back. I believe his job was to keep one eye on the sky. All right? That's what I'm gonna believe he's for, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to hope that at least somebody in our midst at all times can keep one eye on the sky. Maybe your job right now, you're, you're not in the front, you, you can't with, withhold those blows, but right now you're covering somebody in prayer. But, but you can keep an eye on the sky and you can yell, arrows, shields, right? We should always have our shields up, but sometimes we get caught. And remember, this is about us all being together. What happens if that guy, second from the middle, puts his shield down? He's like, oh, it's such a beautiful day. We're all toast. We're all toast, Okay. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, our job is to stand together. Our job is to stand together. And, uh, and we're going to continue to do that. And so uh, Alan's going to come and, and we're going to pray. And then we're going to take up a, a kind of a special offering. And we're going to do it in a couple ways. Uh, but but, but here's, here's the thing. I, I, I don't need you to come forward. I, just, I want you just for a couple minutes, um, find somebody that you can pray with. Don't ask them what's going on. I just want you to let the Holy Spirit lead you in how to pray for them. And um, you're just going to pray. Uh, with somebody near you, and just find somebody to pray with, just, just for a moment. And, and guys, we're just linking shields together. Listen, none of us are in this fight alone. Uh, that's not the way that it works. We're fighting together. We're swinging together. And so I want you very quickly, if you don't mind, um, would you stand up and, and find somebody close to you and just find somebody, one, two, three people you can pray with, 
And I just want you to pray together this morning. Um, pray together this morning. I want you to pray about marriages. I want you to pray about marriages. I want you to pray about health. Pray about finances. But you know what? Somebody here this morning, doubt crept in their life this week. Doubt. I want you to pray with them. Pray with them about that doubt. Okay? For some, it was worry. And again, I I want you to find somebody right now and pray with them about that worry. Okay? All right. So this is you moving to find somebody. Nobody should be alone. Nobody should be by themselves. I want you praying with somebody. Okay? Let's do that now. you to make your way towards your seats. And I, I just want you to, to be seated for a moment. What we're going to do uh, first, before I call our ushers up, we're going to have a, a time of family prayer. And this is you and your family. Uh, whoever your family is, you're here by yourself. This is you and yourself. You, yourself, and I. Uh, no, you, yourself, and you. Sorry. You, yourself, and you. I'm not a part of that. Uh, and here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to reach in the pew in front of you. And, and to grab this. I know it says crossing over, but I, I just want you to grab It's a visual at this point, so don't worry. If you don't use the actual envelope, I don't care right now. But I want you to grab it. Because um, like I said, today, today's going to be the day. This is going to be the first brick. And, uh, and here's what I want you to think of. Uh, we're visualizing. So uh, forgive me for a second. All right. Work our well around here. So uh, here it is. All right. And, 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 and you, you pick which wall you're building. You pick which section as a family. You just pray about it. Say, oh, our section is going to be that bell tower. Awesome, that's you. It's not really a bell tower, by the way. It's just a tower with a cross, okay? There's no bell in it. I want to say that clearly. Somebody at the end is going to go, where's my bell? There's never a bell, ever. Ever a bell. Misspoke right here. All right. Um, here, here's what I want you to do. So, 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 so look at this for a second. Just you guys, you guys, you know, think, pray. Every family is going to have to be in charge of a section of this, section of this wall. Everybody, every single one of us, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Take this envelope, ready, like this. Hold it up. Let me see it, okay? Now, I want you to turn it around so it's just plain white. Turn it around, okay? Now, I want you to turn it this way, and I want you to look, not at the crossing over side. I want you to look at the white side, just a plain brick. That's all that is. (laughs) It's just a plain brick. And today, what I'm going to ask you to do as a family, would you pray about laying the first brick in your section? Pray about what your brick is, okay? Just pray about it. And and listen, I understand some of you, you're going to have to give monthly to this. I get it. It's going to be hard to to give in big lump sums or anything like that. That But you know what? I believe today there can be some kind of brick, something. And so I'm just going to ask you, would you just pause for a moment and pray about it? 
and I'm going to let you pray about it. Before my, I, I ask my ushers to come up, will you pray about it with your wife? Pray about it with your kids. And just say, Lord, would you speak to us about what our brick is supposed to look like today? What our, our first brick in our section is going to look like, okay? And you just take a moment where you are and you pray over that right now. Just pray where you are.